Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, I ask you to please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in the faith journey. Enjoy. We're in the, another volume of our Ephesians studies. Ephesians is true north for me. It's true north if you want to be reminded of the riches that we have in Christ. If you want to continue to know what the purpose of the church is on earth, our identity is revealed in the letter of Ephesians. If you want to know what our lives are about, you can go there because in the book of Ephesians, you see the metaphors that describe the people of God and we can look as leaders, we can look as people, we can look as churches and go, how do we look? Do we look like his body? Do we look like Jesus on the earth? Do we act like brothers and sisters in the family of God? Do we, uh, do we manifest that we are those that un, un, under the hearing of the shepherd we're sheep? Are we carrying his presence as mobile living temples devoted to him and him alone as a bride, a holy devoted bride of Christ? Are we, listen, are we standing strong fighting spiritual wars for ourselves, for our churches, churches, huh? Um, for our families? Are we fighting on our knees for our friends, and as, as Dan said, are we, are we engaged in sharing the message, the only message that can change people's lives? All those things are in Ephesians. If you want to measure the growth of your life and the growth of a church, it's not by numerical uh, evaluation only, um, but it's about how we're doing and measuring up to the metaphors revealed in the book of Ephesians. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit over the past few Sundays. And, you know, I was thinking as I was writing this, the Holy Spirit is the life of the life of the church, right? The Holy Spirit is the life of the life of the church. And when he's in the house, God's in the house. And we are to be a house individually and corporately together and where we are the Spirit of God, when, when the Spirit of God is there, God is moving. Lord, we just ask you today, this is your house. Uh, I am yours. We are yours. Uh, we lay our agenda at your feet. And we just really believe today that this is a providential moment, that you've already quickened us, that the Spirit of God is already at work. And before time began, you ordained this time to be a God time for each one of us. And so we welcome you, Lord. Come on, would you do that, church? We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you. We don't take you for granted. You are in the middle, in the midst of the lampstand blazing and make it blaze more. We ask you to take us on a journey in your word. Speak, let us hear, and let us respond. That You might change not only our lives, but our families and that you would change the world through the change you make in us. In Jesus' name, everybody believe that? Amen. Amen. We're talking about the tent of meeting that's revealed in the Old Testament. And I've said before, it's a perfect model uh, to describe uh, the Holy Spirit taking believers onto a journey in growth and into the very heart of the Father. The Holy Spirit passionately longs to guide God's people 
into wondrous promises. Oh, he wants to give us promises. Powerful dimensions of presence. God is omnipresent, but his manifest presence is different in different places and with different people. Have you noticed that? Amen. Yeah. He wants to guide us into deeper, powerful dimensions of presence and answered prayers. Answered prayers. All of these things are unpacked in the teaching of the Old Testament tent of meeting. But more than all that, he wants to lead us into the deep heart of the Heavenly Father. Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. I want to tell you something else. In his Father and in our Father's heart are many promises that he wants to give to each and every one of us. But this can only happen as we are. Where we're going to go today is, this can only happen as we are washed in the water of the Word. Washed in the water of the Word. Now, as I said, and we're going to see graphics of this, God's tent of meeting reveals all kinds of things. Last week, we began looking at the altar that's inside the curtain. Inside the curtain is the altar. We looked there last week, but the Holy Spirit doesn't stop at the altar. The Holy Spirit begins at the altar to take us in process into deeper dimensions of understanding what it means to really walk with God and walk into the heart of God. So let's go. We're going to start in Ephesians. It's going to be our launching place as always. Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about the curtain uh, of Jesus' body that he sacrificed on the cross to create an entrance for us. Let's read it. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's what we're talking about. Access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners. You're no longer strangers. You're fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. Now, if you were here last week or if you watched last week, you will be, you would quickly notice that I carried a burden in that message last week. Why? Because I was talking about this bronze altar and, and we talk about, I said, the kind of altar we make before God will be the kind of way God alters our life. As the altar, so is a life altered. And we're talking about the altar that's after uh, faith in Christ, inside the curtain, inside Christ, inside the family of God. The first place the Lord takes us is the bronze altar, which is where we surrender our all. We're going to look at that in a minute again. But past the altar is this thing called the laver. It was a wash basin. And the Bible gives us all kinds of imagery of that including in Ephesians 5, when Paul talks about God making us like a bride, wholly devoted to Jesus, and how our devotion grows, how our passion for the Lord grows, is through this process of being washed in the water. Look what it says. Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. That's the curtain that we see in the imagery last week. The body is the curtain. The curtain is the body. He gave himself up to make an entrance. But then look what it says. Cleansing her, the church, 
by the washing with water through the word. The washing with water through the word. To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. Now watch this. In Ephesians 1, which was a volume way back a year ago or more, I talked about going from rags to riches. That in the moment of faith, whether you're the thief on the cross or a thief in Cumberland that we're going to lead to the Lord this couple weeks, somebody. Who's going to lead that guy to the Lord this week? And raise your hand. Why not? At that moment, holy and blameless initially. Boom, right on the spot. Holy and blameless in Christ. Okay, positionally, but practically. How many of you know the moment you got saved, maybe positionally you were holy in Christ, but you had a lot of holes in your holiness? Hold me, I too, right? Now we've all arrived, ready? We all arrived, no. Holy and blameless. So we're holy, but then we come into the washing of the water of the word so that our practical walk lines up with our position that we have immediately. Holy and blameless. That comes through the washing of water through the word. Do we have our, do we have our, 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 our tab? There we go. So uh, what you don't see here is the curtain that leads us in. In the Old Testament, only the priests of the tribe of Levi could minister in the tent of meeting. You and I couldn't. No other tribe out of the 12 tribes, only one could do it. And the high priest alone, the high priest alone, how'd you tell me to do this last week? Red button. Red button. Red button. <laughs> red buttons. There he goes. Wait, there we go. Oh dear. Okay. So... Nobody could go in here. No one could go in here only once a year. It was the art where the, uh, the day of atonement, only the high priest could go. Not any priest, only the high priest could go in here. The priests could minister in here daily, minister here, where the, where a person would bring the offering, offer it up as a whole burn offering. Nothing of the offering went back to the person, all got, all burned up to God. Then you washed in the water and then the priests would go through here and minister only here daily which we'll look at in our last message in the week to come, the, teb, the table of showbread and the lampstand. And then only once a year could you go through this curtain and offer up on the holy altar of the covenant uh, for sins to be forgiven for another year. But in Christ, everybody becomes a priest. Everybody goes through this process on a regular basis by the Spirit guiding to the whole burnt offering, to the laver, through the curtain, to the lampstand of the Holy Spirit's blazing glory that shines on the bread of God's presence, where we take the promises and the living words to the altar of incense and our prayers go through to the holy of holies. Amen. I think every, every kid should have a model of this. I really do. It would, mean, it would do so much. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, I did this last week. There we go. This is, a, this is an up close and personal of the labor. And uh, this is mentioned in, in, uh, in Exodus. So let's go to, I got, I got the verses for you. Exodus 30, verse 17, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Uh, and, and guys, can you interact with me and we'll go back to that labor in just a minute? Okay. Um, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, you shall also make a labor of bronze with its base also of bronze. Do you see that? Bronze. And it's for washing. Now, note in the Old Testament and in the New, bronze is always symbolic of humility. Uh, when Solomon was on the altar as the king asking for wisdom, it was a bronze altar. When Jesus is shown in the book of Revelation, 
He, his feet are burnished bronze. He walked in humility and sacrifice. This, that's what, this altar, this labor of water washing was, was uh, uh, constructed in a bronze, a bronze basin so that we would approach God's word uh, to serve his purposes and his will, okay? And then he says, you shall put it between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and you shall put water in it, for Aaron and his son shall wash their hands and their feet in water from it. And when they go into the tabernacle of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister, to burn an offering made by fire to the Lord, they shall wash with water. Just let that sink in. They shall wash with water lest they die. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, lest they die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, to him and his descendants throughout their generations. All right, let's go back. Hey, guys, can we go back to the whole tabernacle picture just for a minute? Awesome. All right, so the Spirit is showing us, the Spirit is showing us the way to the heart of the Father. And the weight of the heart of the Father is for the weight of all my heart to be given to God. And when my heart is given to God and continually given to God, the kind of heart that I have then approaching God's word on a regular basis, if my heart is wholly given, I will, I will have God's washing of the water in my life to prepare me to come and approach the blazing glory of the teaching of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus in the word to me. If my heart is distant and I bypass the whole burnt offering and just hang out in the outer court, my, the illumination of my light, life will probably not be reflected by this, but it'll be reflected by this, outer court, outside of the house. The Holy Spirit wants to take saved people who can enter the curtain and not have them hang out in the outer court and bypass this. Whole burnt offering, completely God's, to the water of the word on a consistent basis that will do what we're going to talk about today to lead us into the holy place. The New Testament apostles, Paul, James, and Peter, um, who wrote letters, know this imagery and they take us there, and I want to take you there. The Apostle Paul talks about this imagery of the labor and the altar in a passage that we looked at last week to start. Romans 12.1. Today we're going to look at Romans 12.2. But Romans 12.1 says this, a reminder, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, as a repeat, and it's worth repeating, he's thinking of the curtain before the tent, which is purple, blue, and scarlet. When Jesus was beaten, he was beaten black and blue, and he shed his blood. The curtain was pure linen. And with on that is, are these colors embroidered into the pure linen. And it's the curtain. Hebrews tells us the curtain is his body. His body. And so in view of his body, in view of the cross, entering through, in view of that, Paul says, I appeal to you on, the view, on your view of that. Not out of guilt, not out of fear, but in view of that, offer your life, offer your bodies as a living, what? Sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. Logikos is the word in the Greek. In other words, I appeal to your logic. If he gave all that for you, 
God's asking you to give all that for him. Not to buy your salvation, but because he bought it for you. Offer your life on that altar as a living sacrifice. That is true worship. That's true worship. Let me say it over here. That's true worship. But that's not the end. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, well, in other words, don't live in the outer court, don't live outside the house. Come through the curtain, altar, to the laver. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. I underline certain things. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you've been washed in the blood, now get your life washed in the word. You've been washed in the blood, but you still might be brainwashed by the world inside the curtain. Right. Now we're in a process. Don't be brainwashed by the godless ways of the world. Don't let the world press you into its mold now that you're inside the house. And don't press the world's mold on the church. It reminds me of a song lyric by a secular artist called Brainwashed. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school brainwashed by our teachers and brainwashed by their rules, brainwashed by our leaders, by our kings and queens, brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes. God, 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 a voice cries in the wilderness. God, 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 it was on the longest night. God, 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 an eternity of darkness. Someone turned out our spiritual light. Brainwashed by the Nikkei, Brainwashed by Dow Jones. Brainwashed by the NASDAQ and our security loans. Pretty good, huh? Brainwashed, that's a beetle, by the way, George Harrison, just to say. Uh, brainwashed from Brussels. Brainwashed from Bonn. Brainwashed even in Washington. <clears throat> God, 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 you are the wisdom that we seek. God, 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 the lover that we miss. They brainwashed my great uncle. They brainwashed my cousin Bob. They even got my grandma and made her join the mob. <laughs> brainwash while you're sleeping, while you're in a traffic jam. Brainwash you while you're weeping. Brainwashed by the military. Brainwashed under duress. Brainwashed by the media. Brainwashed by the press. Brainwashed by computers. Brainwashed by mobile phones. Brainwashed by the satellites. Brainwashed to the bone. God, won't you lead us through this mess from the places of concrete? Nothing's worse than ignorance. I just won't accept defeat. Must be something I forgot. God, 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 only you can stop this rot. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed is the Greek word metamorpho. Metamorpho, a complete transformation, complete transformation. How? By the renewing of your mind. Anakinosis, renewing. Anakinosis. Um, I'm a nerd, I'm, I'm going to nerd on you a minute. In the, in the Greek grammar, the tense of the word anakinosis is in what's called a present historical active. What that means is, is that this is any, at any time, at any time, 
that God would come visit me or take a look at me at any time in my life as a believer, at any time, when he takes a snapshot, the way this tense is, he will find me in a re rejuvenating, re renovating process. It won't be a one and done. Anytime God takes a look at my life, it will be in a present active renovating. Amen. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the present, ongoing, and always renovating of your thinking by the word of God. And then notice the next word, then. Then. Do you see that? Then you will be able to what? Test. Is this God or is this flesh? Is this spirit or is this soul? Then. In other words, if, if you pass by the whole burnt offering and you pass by the labor, have you never noticed that some people say God told them and you go, man, God's crazy. <laughs> well, I prayed about it, and God said, it's all right for me to run around with three married women. And you go, what God did you pray to? No, I have a peace about it. Have you ever run into I'm being extreme on the, but right? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, Paul is saying when we live this way and we're constantly being cleansed, that at, that at any time, all the time when there's a check-in, you and I will be in a present, active, renovating walk in the will of God. In the will of God. Peter knew this as well. Before we go to the, the verse on Peter, let me just fill in a, a couple things Peter says prior to the verse we're going to read. Just so let's hold it right there for a minute. Thanks. Peter says, so keep coming to him who is the stone. Though he was rejected and discarded by men, but chosen by God is priceless in God's sight. Come and be his stones who are continually being, listen to this, priest, listen to this priesthood imagery, who are continually being assembled into a sanctuary for God. For now you serve as holy priests. You serve as holy priests. This is Peter, the fisherman, offering up spiritual sacrifices that he readily accepts through Jesus Christ. Do you know uh, in the garments of the priesthood, one of the things that they had to wear was a, was a turban on their head. You read that? But there was a gold inscription on the turban. You know what it said on the turban? Holiness unto the Lord. The mindset was to be holiness unto the Lord. So you can wear a hat and have that stamped on there and not have a holy mind. But if God's... Do you know in the book of Revelation where, where John says that the end times harlot, uh, governmental, social, uh, quasi-religious thing? Do you know what's on the... Do you know that that beast has a harlot's forehead? And gives birth to prostitutes. But has an appearance of worship. Did you ever read that? On the mind, the mind, the mind, holiness unto the Lord. Don't let, blasphemous names actually. But okay, but now Peter says, but you're a chosen treasure. You are priests. You're a spiritual nation. You're set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his own. 
All right, now you can read what I've got. Notice the, notice the word usage of Peter. Let's go to the next one. Notice the word usage of Peter that is so close to what Paul says. You know why? They had the same father. Do you know why else? They had the same Lord. You know why else? They had the same spirit. Okay? Here's what he says. As obedient children... Do not, there it is again, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in what? Ignorance. Ignorance. When you didn't know the will of God. You didn't know you were out of it. You didn't even know there was one. I, I, I lived that way in the church. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. There it is again, that present Active check-in. There it is. Be holy because I am holy. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable. And I love how Peter describes the, the word of God. Through the living and enduring word of God. You see that? That's the labor. You want to hear one more? How about the Lord's own brother, James? Now, there were two James mentioned in the New Testament. John's brother, James, sons of Zebedee, right? Who started out passionate for God, but had a lot of anger issues. Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder because of their temper. But isn't it interesting how they change or how God changes them? Isn't it interesting when we think of John, he's known as the beloved disciple, and when you read John, the word love just pops everywhere, right? It wasn't always that way. Remember John and James at one time, they said, do you want us to call fire down on these people and just kind of nuke them for, G for you, Lord? <laughs> he goes, you don't know what spirit you're of. And they're like, oh, so that's not the will of God? <laughs> so James, the brother of Jesus, writes this. Notice again, therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent do you see the imagery? How do you do it? Humbly accept the word planted in you. See that? You can come in through the curtain, holy and blameless positioned, but there's a lot of change that God wants to do in our life. And that change happens by the type of offering, not money, but the type of offering we give him. Present your whole life as a whole life, not term life. Whole life as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world. He takes us from that altar and the Holy Spirit says, that's awesome. T. McGee, that's so awesome. Come on, but we're not, come on, come on, come on. Where are we going? We're going to the, we're going to a consistent, present, active washing of your mind. Washing of your mind. You're, you're brainwashed, Tim. We're going to wash your brain from being brainwashed. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, to the labor, and you come in humility to the labor. You come in humility to the labor, humbly accept the word which can save you. Oh, I thought I was already saved. Salvation is a past, present, and future act of God. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. I was saved, the, wa the, the blood washes my sin, but I have, a part, I have an old man in me that needs to be neutralized by the new man in me. And whatever I feed grows and whatever I starve dies in the church or out, behind the pulpit or not, in or out, 
come to the labor so that at any moment, pastor, preacher, deacon, elder, greeter, children's church worker, cute, when the Holy Spirit takes a snapshot, he wants to find us present, active in the washing of water of the word. Can someone say amen because it's really good preaching? Thank you. Do not, James says, do not merely listen to the word. That means he's not talking to people that are shooting pools somewhere right now and they went, you know what? Yeah, like some of the bright bulbs today that are saying you don't have to go to church. They're on that chirp, 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 chirp. Outer court talk. Do not merely, but then what about just going and listening? Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Sound like his brother? That's James, the brother. Sound like Jesus a little bit? Jesus, in, he goes, Jesus on the, at the end of, the, of his great sermon on the plain or the mountain, he says, look, there's two kinds of people listening to me always. The people that know how to build a house and those who think they know how to build a house. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. What's the difference? They both listen. The one puts into practice. The other listens and thinks that because they listen, they are foolish. And when the storms come to both and the rains fall and the wind blows and beats on that house, one of them will not fall and the other, Jesus' words with a great crash it falls all based on how we respond to the word james says do what it says for and we're going to go here next time whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives what freedom well i thought if jesus the sun sets us free we are free we are we are freed and we are getting freer and one day we shall be free, boys. I'm telling you, I am sick of old T. McGee that every time I think he's gone and I'm in the car going somewhere, he pops up in the back seat and says, I got an idea. I got a squirrely idea. And I think, I got some, hey, let's go do some sinning. Yeah, do you have that? When I went on my last sabbatical and one of my friends said, are you taking anybody with you? I said, no, but there's somebody I don't want to take with me. He said, who? I said, me. I don't want to take me with me. <laughs> my old man has more lives than a cat. Yours? The only way for me to neutralize Team McGee is to constantly be presently active washing my life from the brainwashing of the world in the word of God and walking in it, walking in it, walking in it, walking in it. Here's what I'm finding out. I was in, I was in the middle of the night in San Francisco waiting to get on a red eye to fly back to Baltimore about a month ago and I'm walking through the, the uh, airport in San Francisco and I'm walking along, heading toward the, the gate that I'm supposed to go to and, I'm, and, and I look and I see that, you know, that conveyor belt that's in the middle and you can, you can get on it. And I always wonder why people get on there and they stand. I'm like, come on, dude, you're like, listen. But you can get on there and go faster a little bit, but you can walk slow, but go faster. I, I think that our Christian life is we walk by faith in the word we know 
And as we walk by faith in the word we know, listen, if we walk by faith in the word we know, it's like God puts us on a conveyor belt that leads us providentially right smack into the will of God. Thank you. <laughs> Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in their deed. This is that labor piece. It's a continual washing. It's washing the mindset from a worldly brainwashing. It's cleansing from a carnal outside the mind and ways of, of God. Well, Jesus talks about the labor too. The night in which Jesus is betrayed in the long conversation he has with the 12 and then the 11, because Judas had something to do, Jesus says this to them. You are already clean, notice the connection, because of the word I've spoken to you. See it? Isn't it cool how the word pops when you're following the Spirit? You're already clean because of the word, and now look what he says. So you're good to go. No. Remain in me. Remain in me as I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is making this imagery of the bride holy by the word. And then, you know, the, the, the Lord's Prayer we, we see in the Sermon on the Mount, but the Lord's last prayer we see here in John 17, where Jesus is talking to his Father, right? Look what he says. I'm not asking that you remove them from the world, right? We are to be mobile temples, as Dan said again, and we've said many times, we are mobile temples sent into this world. The presence of God in the people of God, in the midst of the world, we're sent, and Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. We need to be in the world. But the world cannot be in us. We are to come to the bronze altar. We are to come to the bronze labor inside. There's too much world inside the outer court. And there's too much world being preached, outer court. And it's past the outer court into the altar, into the labor that the Holy Spirit leads us into the seven-fold blazing Holy Ghost lampstand that shines no other light but on the Word of God. Jesus says this, I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. How? Your word is truth. So make them holy by the truth. Do you see that? The washing with the word at the labor. How many of you are tracking with me? The washing with water at the labor. Jesus says, make them holy by the truth. And Jesus said, now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully devoted to God and be made holy by your truth. In view of that, Paul says, in view of what Jesus just said, I make myself a holy sacrifice for them. And Paul says, in view of that, we, I urge you, the logikos of worship is offer yourself to him and not be pressed into the mold of the world. And for the sake of Jesus, don't bring the world's mold into his house and call it the word of God. What an... Uh, uh. So if we want an open heaven, if we want blessings, we must go to the labor 
Because listen to the positive. From the altar, God opens the heavens. From the labor, our mind gets focused to think like God thinks. Our heart gets set to follow the footsteps of the Spirit. Because even at the labor, even as we're reading and in the Word and the Word's reading us, the Holy Spirit says, huh? Come on. You want more? Come on. I want to take you into a compartment in the world where there's no natural light, only the Holy Spirit light. Do you know the Bible says, listen, the Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord and those who fear him. Do you know the Bible says that if we fear the Lord, he will show us his covenant? The purifying work of God's word keeps my path straight. The power of God's word keeps my heart tender. The weight of the miracles is beyond the outer court. The weight of the miracles is in the holy place past the cleansing where the lampstand takes the word and shines things to us that are the present face of Jesus in the moment. And when we receive that, and not everybody does, there's people out there that, I don't know if I'm going to do this. Come on. But the people that are, doing, that are going here, God doesn't change the message, but takes what the message has always meant and makes it a present contemporary word in your circumstance, in mine, and you navigate that, and sometimes they're promises. You take those promises to the altar of incense, which is symbolic of prayer, and it goes past the curtain where Jesus is, where God says, I'll meet you above the mercy seat. And angels are there, by the way. That's the way to miracles. The way to experience heaven being opened over us is from the altar to the labor to the lampstand. Now, let me, let me just, let me just, let's go deeper here. Um, the devil will not roll over and let this happen for us. How come when you read the newspaper, nobody bothers you, but when you open the book, the phone rings, the doorbell rings, everybody's got something to do? Did you ever notice that? I'm, I don't mean every time, it's, but it's, it's just interesting. The devil will not roll over and let this happen. The Bible says we wrestle not against brother and sister, we wrestle not against politicos, but we wrestle against dark powers in the heavenly realms, wicked forces. I'd tell you one thing, if Satan cannot get us from going into the curtain through Jesus and receive Christ, he will do everything and pay the highest price to keep me and you off the whole burnt offering altar. All. He'll do anything. He'll offer you the world to keep you off that altar. Because you know why? That altar crushes him and opens the heavens. And then we come into the word and the word starts changing the way we think and changing the way we feel and changing the way we act. But there is a war over your labor time. There's a war over your labor time. The whole parable of the sower is all about that. One out of four. Four listeners and only one out of four bear fruit. And you can do that on your own time. I don't have time, but just to give you the general picture, Matthew 13, 18 and 19, as I continue to sweat. And it goes like this. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone, raise your hand if you're one of those. Okay. When anyone hears, again, these people are in church. 
When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. Now, I added the, the T. McGee uh, translation of that. Understand means grasp and treasure. And if you can look me up. Check me out. Che always check me out. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not grasp it and treasure it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. When we as evangelical Protestant believers think of the phrase snatching away, we usually think of the rapture, right, don't we? Nothing wrong with that. Caught up is the phrase in 1 Thessalonians 4. Caught up together to meet the Lord. Same word is used in here. But in this picture, the snatching away is not by God, it's by the enemy. In other words, when the hearer of the word does not have a passion to grab it, somebody else is going to grab it. It reminds me when we were in Scotland and we were eating on the steps and Emmy, remember? Emmy ha had her little, her, little, her little sandwich or whatever it was and all those birds came around. I have it on video somewhere where Emmy just puts her foot down, God bless her, and she's like, get away! <laughs> what was she, two years old? One year old? Get away! It's so awesome. I mean, she wasn't having it. Those birds were not gonna get her sandwich. Remember Abraham when God wanted him to make a covenant? and the birds came to eat the, the sacrifice, Abraham had to shoo them away. Do you remember that? Guess who has to shoo them away? We do. When anyone hears the word and does not have a passion to grab hold of it, Satan, like a bird rushing to take the seed, raptures the word from us because he doesn't want that word to take root in your, li in your life. He comes with all kinds of things, but there is a war going on over the word. There is a war going on over my labor time. As a pastor, as a teacher in the body of Christ, I can fall into traps of going to this book and instead of just being fed, as I'm being fed, I take it and preach it before I eat it. That's a trick of the enemy. Where your anointing is working, but inside you're dying. And we mistake the anointing in the, in the ministry for the maturing and the growing of intimacy. It's a trick. There's all kinds of tricks. Don't you wish the, the enemy only had one? <laughs> Satan will speak to my mind and your mind when you come across a truth, especially a truth that might convict you about something that you need to change regarding somebody else or your own life or regardless of what it is. And right there, boom, there it is. And the devil goes, does God really mean you there? Well, what about your friend Johnny? He's not doing that. Well, if that was true, Dr. So-and-so would be preaching that on YouTube. Tongues. You want to be one of those goofballs? <laughs> Did God really say? Here's what we do. Did God really say you? Yes, he did, right here. In my Bible, it's on page 724, right here. And you only have about half of a New York second to decide what you're going to do on that. Because if you let that thing simmer, he'll get you. 
Let's purpose to miss that rapture when we go to the Word. And stay ready. This is original. Because at an hour you think not, the birds of the air are coming for your Word. That's why the whole burnt offering altar can't be skipped. He's already chirping out there. He's already chirping at the whole burnt offering altar. And then if if you do that, you don't have time to get in the Word. You got little kids. You don't have time to get in the Word. You don't have time. Have you ever had, do you have on your computer, it comes up and says, hey, Tim McGregor, I just want to let you know how much FaceTime you were on the computer last week. (laughs) Woo! Well, while all that's going on, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit says explicitly. The Holy Spirit explicitly reveals that at the end of the age, many will depart from the true faith, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. But Tim McGregor and Timothy, if you teach the believers the Word of God, you will be known as a faithful and good minister of Jesus. Nurture others in the living words of faith and in the knowledge of grace that you were taught. And until I come, Paul is saying that, but Jesus too, be diligent in devouring the word of God, be faithful in prayer and in teaching the believers. Give careful attention to your spiritual life and every truth you teach. For living what you preach will release salvation inside you and to those who listen to you, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 and 2. You and I are living sacrifices, and the devil always wants to say, come up off that bronze altar. But you know what? We have to continue to die to our old way. You know who the devil can't influence? A dead man. The devil cannot influence a dead man. If I'm dying daily on the whole burnt offering... And, the, and my mind is being washed from the brainwashing of the world. And that's not easy, is it? Yeah. Then the devil cannot influence me. And listen, if he can influence me, he's influencing you. If he's influencing you, you're influencing someone in your home, kids. Aren't you glad Satan never visits Washington, D.C.? <laughs> where the smart people are. The warning in the war. Now let me tell you about the wealth of the labor. You got a couple more minutes? Jeez. The wealth that comes from the labor. Jesus says, still other seed, this is one out of four. I want to be in this one. Fell on good soil. That's my heart. Good soil. And produced a crop. Some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. I looked up, nerded this. I nerded the whoever has ears, let him hear. I didn't realize this till this past week. The, the way that the words are and the way the, the, the way the grammar is, here's how Jesus said it. If you have ears to hear, you better use them. It's not just if you have ears to hear, hear. It's if you have ears to hear, you better use them. Here's why. Because the birds are watching if you grab. If you don't grab, they grab. And Jesus said, even what you have will be taken from you. We never arrive. We never arrive. Altar, 
Constant, present, active, cleansing, washing, which leads into the lampstand. And friend, it's in the lampstand, in the presence of the blazing fire of the Holy Spirit, with the face of God coming out of the book, they're the people that are constantly changed. And the devil can't reach too far inside the Holy of Holies. Spurgeon says, listen, if you're a shine kids, if you're a mover... Who knoweth, O teacher, when you work, even among the infants, what the result of your teaching may be? Good corn may grow in very small fields. Take home. You can screenshot this last slide. Stay on the altar when you approach his word. Stay close to the author and don't be his editor. Stay aware of the enemy and his questions. Stay in faith regarding the word's power to work. At 17 years of age, I've told you the story. I went to the altar that morning. God led me there, and I surrendered my life to Jesus. January of 1980. And I went home and found the Bible that I would, had been given when I was a little kid in, in, my, in the primaries Sunday school class. Remember back when they had Sunday school, when Peter, James, and John were living? <laughs> Sunday school. I was given a little King James Version full Bible. And it sat in my room my whole life. I never read it. And I came home from church that morning and my life was changed. Not, be, not changed, but changed. And I opened that book, and it was King James. And who in the world can understand the King James? Well, any, a lot of people do. I love the King James, actually. And I began to read the Gospels, and I, I was sort of getting it and sort of not. And I prayed a prayer that is being answered even to this very minute. I got on my knees with my Bible open, and I said, Lord, I didn't know what I was asking, but I thought I did. I said, Lord, if you will help me understand this book, the rest of my life is totally yours. I will preach it. I will speak it. I will never back down from it. If you help me understand it, and I'm going to tell you, with me standing here and God knows my heart, I'm telling you the truth. From that day on, as a kid, for probably 30 days, I would lay on my bed at night and, and passages of scripture that I didn't even study, that I didn't even know, started flowing out of me. Like I would, I would be in testimony meetings with elderly people in, a, in churches where they didn't have youth. And uh, the lady would say, hey, thank God, praise God, Barney got a new job. Hey, pray for Carl, he's got to have his tooth, blah, blah, blah. And I'd feel this flood coming up in me. They'd do that, I'd get up and quote part of the book of Jeremiah. And people would start shaking. I don't say that about me, I'm just saying that God started doing that in my life. Um, well, listen, here's my challenge for you today. It's the Isaiah 50 and Psalm 40 challenge. Listen, years and years and years went by, probably uh, maybe 10 years ago. I, I'm, I love the book of Isaiah. I, I've read the book of Isaiah. I could do, I, I could, I love, it's my favorite book of the Bible. And I ran across the passage in Isaiah 50 where it says, he wakens me morning by morning, to open my ears, to give me the words of a disciple that I might comfort the weary. 
And I remember reading that one day, and it was like the bread of the presence came up in my life. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, would you wake me up in the morning with your words before any other words come in my mind? And I'll tell you something. God will answer <coughs> prayers that are all about surrender and serving other people. He will move faster. He'll answer it before you finish the prayer request. I can't tell you, day after day, from there, 10 years to now, many of my messages, many of my sermons, many of the things come from before I can even think, God, boom, gives me something like that. Not all the time, but many times. But the other one is Psalm 40. In Psalm 40, Jesus says, and everybody that's walking in the steps of Jesus in the Messianic anointing, they say this, behold, Lord, in the volume of the book, it's written of me, I delight to do your will as your word is written on my heart. I want everybody to stand, please. I want everybody to stand, and I want, I want to pray over, over you. Hey, if you, if you have your Bible with you, would you hold it in your hand? If you don't, and you have your phone with you, and you can get on your Bible, or you're on a YouVersion Bible app, Whatever you do, I want you to symbolically do this with me. I don't care if you're a board member or a, or a member that's bored. No, I don't care. I don't care if you're front row, back row. I don't care if you don't know what, where the book of Job is or you thought it was called Job. I don't care uh, what is going on in your life. I don't care how many sins you're struggling with that nobody knows about. I don't care where you've been, how many people you've led to Christ. I don't care how much you know about the Bible or whatever. I'm going to ask you to do a brand new thing. I'm going to ask you to do a brand new thing. I want to do a brand new thing. I want, you to, I want you to ask God to take this living and enduring word and electrify it in your soul. I want you to make an honest, fresh commitment to say to God, I want by the grace of God, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to work in my life in such a way that at any time, any time anyone takes a, screensh a, a snapshot of me, a selfie of me, I will be found by you, present, active status of my life being washed in the water of the word. Hallelujah. I want you, if that's you, I want you, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, I want to exhort you to make an altar before your God right now. Wherever you are, whether it's out there or it's up here, there's lots of room up here to make an, a fresh altar. It's not a promise, it's all bronze. You got bronze on your feet. It, it's coming before God and asking him, this book is alive. It's living. It, it's, it's endured everything. People have tried to stamp this book out. Kings have tried to stamp. No one will ever stamp this book out. No one. Jesus said, when the world dissolves, my words will still exist. Come on now. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that in a minute we, were, we release your people to the altar. I pray that you would send the, the Holy Spirit is so strong right now. God, I pray that people are, are 
Some of us are about to go on a journey of adventure and wonder, and you're going to mark this day, and you're going to go, you know what I did? I I remember running up the steps in my house to my mother and father and busting into into their business whether they were reading the paper or watching TV or whatever they're doing, 17-year-old kid, I'd run out of my room, up the steps with my Bible, and I'd say, Mom, Dad, do you know what this says? Do you know what this says? I remember saying to God, I can't believe that I've had this book next to my stereo speakers for all these years, and I had no idea. You talk about the wardrobe entrance by the kids that go to Narnia? Narnia and beyond, I couldn't get over what was right in front of me. I pray, oh God, that you would take the scales off the eyes of your people. I pray especially for a young man, a young woman, a college student in this place that's about to go on a place with you because they come to the altar in humility and come to be cleansed and say, God, I give my whole heart to the living, enduring word of God. I will live it. I will allow you to break my life down and build it back up again. But from this moment on, Lord, I'm going to be a man of the book. I'm going to be a woman of the word. We're going to be a church where with an Ezra anointing, where the in the middle of the sanctuary will be the living, enduring, preached word of God. Lord, we honor your word today. We thank you for it. Your word, oh God, is forever settled in heaven. Your word, oh God, is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Your word sanctifies us. We were born again by your word, and we will stay with you as a holy bride because your word, Lord, is at the center of this pulpit in this church. So Lord, we release these people now to the ministry of the Holy Spirit around these altars, and we give you thanks for what you're about to do. Listen to this, young men, young men and women, I say this to you, you will be strong. You will overcome the evil one when the word of God lives in you. You overcome him in Jesus' name. Bless you as you obey him. Amen.